Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Blue Murder Club. My name is Kelly and I'm your host for this um, episode today and I'm accompanied as always by my co-host and beautiful friend. Lauren, hey, hey. <laughs> I love your intros. <laughs> Hello, Lauren. So kind. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's so lovely to see your face. And yours, and yours. I've had a week from hell so it's nice just to decompress yeah, and yeah. have a go. I love it, don't I? Mm, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Just mm-hmm. to like get to the weekend and sometimes we try and record after work in the evenings and I do prefer Sunday recordings, I think. I do. I'm a bit more with it. A I, more I must apologise because I yawn, yawn all throughout our evening <laughs> yeah, ones. I'm like, please hold it in. Yeah, we pass your bedtime. Some ah. nights, aren't we? <laughs> well, there's a patron out there where I'm hiccuping right round right the end, and I was like, please, yeah. please, peg it in. <laughs> the hiccups and the yawns, they're a thing. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's a bit of a rainy day today, isn't mm-hmm. it? But you know, it's the first day of spring, actually. Woo-hoo. We're recording, aren't we? Yeah. So we've missed an hour in bed, but we're still bright eyed and bushy tailed. Yeah, love and life. So you said you've had a bit of a naff week. Have, mm-hmm. you, have you done anything good? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, I did. Last weekend was absolutely lovely. Mm. Went and see a friend. Then we had a party. Yeah. And then I went and spent Mother's Day with my family. So that was really lovely. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that was a lovely weekend. Yeah. 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 We had a nice party for our friend Charlotte, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Charlie Race Brown has been on the podcast and... um she had some really good games, didn't she? Oh, Which they were brilliant. ended up with you and our other friend hopping and prodding each other to see who was the I, ultimate winner. Yeah, with a bruised tit. Honestly, <laughs> my tit is so bruised. She got in. But that you, finger contains st- all the muscles that I have in one arm. You still didn't win, did you? No, I was walking away from her because I was scared. <laughs> that finger was getting me. <laughs> it is really funny. We have got a video. Uh, let, put, put in the comments if you want to see the video. <laughs> <laughs> a poor old Loza getting prodded. Yeah, getting beaten bits by a finger. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, I think my week's been a bit, oh, oh same, just, ugh. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's a weekend, yeah, that way. Here, here. I'm looking for another job, so it's all about interviews oh. and meeting recruitment people and, oh, oh my goodness me, it is soul destroying. We're going to just have to sell pictures of your foot online to keep you by. That's a brilliant idea. Let's, Let's do, do that. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Obviously, we make millions out of this podcast. Yeah, so we'll be laughing. (laughs) Uh, That £1.80 do you well, I tell (laughs) you. I know, 
the cost of living crisis <laughs> won't swallow that up much. <laughs> oh, darling. All right. So, um, last uh, last episode today we're recording it, episode mm-hmm. 10, series 4. And the episode is about a man called Tony Costa, and he's got a few aliases. He How has. many aliases did you find for Tony Costa? Quite a few. I think about four, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. Yeah. My favourite, well, I think the most famous one is the vampire of Cape, Cape Cod. The Cape Cod vampire. Yeah. What it, was the one I mentioned earlier? I've got one called the Cape Cod Casanova. Oh. And there was one called Tony Chop Chop. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It's really not funny. <laughs> They're saying about those three words together. Yeah, it's quite, just done me. It's all perky. It's like, where's Tony? You, Tony Chop Chop. Yeah, Tony Chop Chop. <laughs> yeah, it's like a kid stained him. It what is. was the one we just said? I can't remember I now. Don't know. I don't know. I don't remember hearing you say another one. That, that's, uh, that's the three that I heard. Though. Yeah. The Cape Cod Casanova. The one, you know, the most famous one, Cape Cod Vampire. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Tony Costa. So um, Tony Chop Chop. Tony Chop Chop. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, this is going back to 1970s, all around, like, the peace and love times, which we obviously yeah. love. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. And, it's um, it's the gift that keeps giving, isn't it? It sure is. Era. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just goes to show if you're if you're full of drugs and your guard's down, yeah. you're susceptible to being a victim. Yeah, or a cult member. Yeah, or a cult member. Either or, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pick a lane. Choose a lane. <laughs> so, yeah, shall we get into it? Yeah, did you do the deep dive on the background? I would say dive, maybe not so deep, because he's uh, not a lot's been done about this mofo, as such yeah. as his childhood, but I've done the best I can with what I had. I think this might be a good discussion at the end to discuss nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. you know, because I think I got the impression it was a very clear, obvious one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, God. Let's have a. Let's well, maybe you know more about. than I do, because we'll try, we'll try. Yeah. So. Tony Costa was born on the 2nd of August, 1944, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh, my God, I've done it. Should I was we... going to say mess, but I've done it. So his father died in World War II, um, not long after Tony's birth, and he actually died saving someone else. And he was awarded a medal, gone, you can say that word, post. Posthumous. Yes. Well done. <laughs> Um, so he wanted to keep his mother all to himself. He had a really needy personality about him and he just wanted it to be him and his mother because that's all he's ever known, I'm guessing. But he's, unfortunately for him, his mother got remarried and had another child. So we weren't happy about that. And at the age of seven, he reportedly told his mother he kept seeing a man enter his room at night who he identified as his father, long since deceased from a photograph. And it was a sign of a troubled mind in the making. He had a love-hate relationship with his mother. So um, he was shown to seeing like signs of outbursts, like when things didn't go his way. And mm. he would detest her, but then always needed her around him yeah. as a nurturer. So he'd push her away. Push her away and then want her back. Mm. You know, it was constant throughout the whole of his childhood. That's classic attention. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. 100%. And he, yeah, he just, I don't know, he just, in some things he seems to really despise her and the next he's like loving her up. Mm. So in 1969, Life magazine article written by him, uh, by, sorry, famed author Kirk Vonnegut. So he lived in Cape Cod at the time. He describes hearing Costa refer to a sport little boy and he was never punished for anything. Mm. So from the outside looking on, 
his mother tried, I think, to compensate his father's death. Sounds like it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And overcompensation, we know, leads to trouble. Mm. So um, he goes on to assert that his own daughter, so this is Vanault, the person who wrote this book or this article, so she was 19-year-old Edith, met Costa one summer when he invited her to go on to see his marijuana patch, mm. an invitation that she actually declined. So in the news of the, Tony Costa's crimes, he's a, Edith told her father, if Tony is Tony is a murderer, then anybody could be a murderer. So um, at the minute, we're seeing a charming side to him again. Mm. So are you jumping forward in time to when he's... I'm going back and forth all day, baby. Yeah, sorry, let's just clarify that point. Because mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about Tony's mother. But you're not, you're talking about so the daughter of the... Guy who wrote the article about him. Journalist. Yeah, it was just, I put yeah. that all together rather mm-hmm. than jumping back five minutes down the line. Because yeah. you ain't going to have a clue what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. So at the age of elementary school, his parents moved. So his mum and his stepdad moved back to their homeland this is when a few years later tony reported seeing his father entering his room at night Mm. so they weren't actually where they were based they've gone back as reported by the new york post he was allegedly sexually assaulted by an older boy when he was just 12 years old so tony costa started showing signs of social pathy in his late teens he's Behaviour reflects that of an abused past. So in 1961, when he was 16 years old, he twice invaded a home of a teenage neighbour. So he stood, sorry, so he attempted to drag her from her bed. He stood over her bed and fled when she woke up and screamed at the sight of him. Three days later, he goes again, Kaz. Mm -hmm. So he's not deterred by her screaming. He enters the same apartment and this time attempted to drag her down to the basement of the apartment. But he got caught by the neighbours and they intervened and got the girl off of him. Fucking basement. Fucking scary is that? On January the 4th, 1962, Costa, he was only 17 at this point, was convicted of burglary and assault. And um, he received a suspended one-year sentence plus three years probation. Mm -hmm. So he's on a licence now, so he's got to be on his best behaviour. So Costa married a 14-year-old girl in April of 1963 and fathered three children with her. But he soon began using drugs, which resulted in a bizarre and irresponsible behaviour, which made his marriage deemed from the get-go, really. And around about this point, his mother died. Mm. So I think that's now the turning point in this behaviour for him because he always seems his mother as a constant. Yeah. So now she's gone, he's doing drugs, it's going to change him, mm-hmm. you know? So um, his wife, Avis, um, was only 14 as well, Kaz, at the time. Yeah, he was about 20 when he yeah. was <laughs> Yeah. Sick. So as their marriage went on, the drug use increased and he started to become quite abusive or very abusive mm-hmm. to all Vavis and his children. And he um, sexually assaulted his wife throughout the marriage, mm-hmm. but it was getting progressively worse towards the end. She didn't consider it sexual abuse mm-hmm. because of the time and because they were married. Yeah. Rape ain't rape if you're married in that time, basically, which mm. is fucking disgusting. And at the time, 
of this, husbands couldn't be charged with sexual assault against their wives. Yeah. It's fucking awful, isn't it? Yeah, I remember that law coming into place in this country. It's terrible, isn't it? It's shocking, isn't it? It is disgusting. I can't... That baffled me. Any decent man wouldn't do that anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah, but either a man's a rapist or they're not. Yeah, that's true. But But if you're in... You find yourself in that position and you feel like you can't go to Mm. someone to help you, you're stuck. I know. It's it's shocking. It's shocking. I remember like being... I was probably really young when, when it happened, but... Been really surprised. Yeah, that it was a law that needed to be made. In I the can't first believe place. it. I cannot believe it. Yeah. So Ravius had enough of his shit, which I would, and filed to for divorce in 1968 as a result of his increasingly erratic behaviour and abuse. So he was living at the board, in a boarding hall house at the time of the murders and gave off the impression of being a little bit off. Some locals chimed in to say that he was a loner. And he seemed a bit into himself. Mm. While younger people called him a charming man. He liked the company of younger people. As his wife, we can tell. <laughs> Jesus. He can manipulate yeah. them, can't he? Well, basically, yeah, that's what I've got. Yeah, so they were easier to control. And because he was the local drug dealer, they seemed more than happy to have him around. So I reckon he's bribing them or just he's the local cool guy. He's got mm. a supply of drugs coming in. Yeah. And young, you see that there is a term for it in this country because that's what happens. Grooming. Yeah, slightly. Um, it's called, I want to say it's like a name of a bird. I don't know if it is like, a, it's not magpie, or it's a something called that, mm-hmm. where um, young teens kind of get a relationship with an older drug dealer and use yeah. their house as a DOS house and stuff like that. Yeah. There is a term for it, but I can't think of the name. I'll find out. What is the point of that then, to try and get them hooked onto drugs and become a customer? Yeah, so I think what they do, the older people, they seem to give the first lot of drugs for free or near to nothing. Yeah. Give them a few more. Get them involved in it. Get them involved in it. Get Mm. them, yeah. So by the time they're hooked, they've got a new customer under there. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, they're a lot easier to control. So if they need... So back up if they need anything. They've got these younger kids willing yeah. to help them out in a sticky situation because they're getting drugs and a place to go. Like they're not hanging around on the street corners, you know. When I was at school, mm-hmm. there was always, I'm sure it's the same all over the world, mm-hmm. no matter what generation you are. When you're at school and you're like 15 or 16, sort of like the top couple of years before mm-hmm. you leave, there always seems to be young men mm-hmm. who are a couple of years older, they're already driving. Mm-hmm. And they hang around you. Yeah. You do. You get that a lot. Yeah, I remember girls getting picked up by guys yes. driving at school. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Mm, yeah. Yeah. But, Kaz, you will laugh. Like, my go-to, you can ask Big Tom this, if, like, I was getting chatted up, I'd go, I'm 13. Like, <laughs> that, that would be my panic because I hated it. I hated attention of older guys. Didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. So my thing was, I'm 13, leave me alone. Like... <laughs> Tommy used to piss himself laughing. Even I used to even when I was like 16, 17, 18, yeah. I'd just say I'm 13. So just so, so they'd leave me alone. alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't like it. Made me feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, it is horrible. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's attention, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit like being stalked and stuff. It's, yeah. It's really horrible. It's quite frightening. It's awful. It's just, yeah, it's not nice. So, and that's what he's giving me really creepy vibes. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. He's using... It's all look. It's always these people. It's always about power. Mm-hmm. It is. It is and control. Yeah, that's exactly what it is at the minute with these kids. Anyway, 
So as a divorcee and a father of three, he spent his time working odd jobs here and there, mostly as a carpenter or a handyman. But he had another side to him and he made a hobby out of taxidermy. Nice. Yeah. So that <laughs> is just grim. What We've had a few taxidermy cases, yeah, haven't we? I'm trying to think. Oh, it was Dharma. <laughs> Uh, I think it was. I think you're right. Because his dad showed him how to do it. Yes, that's right. And then um, I think when the basement at his grand's house started to get Mm -hmm. smelly, he blamed it on the taxidermist. Yeah, that's right. Um, The roadkill bits and pieces. Um, Yeah, I mean, not not all taxidermists are serial killers. No, not at all. (laughs) It's just the, I think it's the fascination with the macabre, is it? Mm, Yeah. And I think... Yeah, with some of them, like with this this Tony, Chop Chop, Mm -hmm. And with Dharma, they were really fascinated with what happened under your skin. Yeah. They wanted to see what was going on inside. Oh, I don't like that. Which is different to being a taxidermist. Yeah, I don't like that. But being a taxidermist means you do get to do that. Yeah. So that's, it just, that's a totally different mindset. Yeah. Taxidermy, isn't it? Just filling people with embalming liquid to stop mm. them from decomposing. Taxidermy is where you get, say for instance, you're, you've um, hunted something mm-hmm. like you know when you get a, a stag's head on the mm-hmm. wall and obviously it doesn't work because it's they've taxidermied yeah. it so or people get their dogs done don't they if they can't bear to lose their dog yeah they'll pay and get their dogs done so yeah. it's just that's creepy as hell i'm gonna tell you something creepy about myself Gone. i've saved some of my dog's hair because i'm hoping one day we'd be able to clone him <laughs> Have you? yeah yeah which one i've got some of buddies and i've got oh we'll get yeah. some of ernie's yeah Aww. yeah one day, listen, one yeah. day, Buddy was my American bulldog and I had a, just absolutely loved that dog. I love all dogs, to be fair. Oh, yeah. At least you haven't got him taxidermed somewhere. No, nah, oh, he's a big old brook. Do you imagine? Yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> oh, he was naughty. It was just, it was just, I think it's creepy to do a pet. I don't mind, like, you know, in, in old stately homes where mm-hmm. you see, like, an eagle or... Something like that. I think that looks quite nice. Yeah. In the right setting. But in the right in, setting. In like an average family home. You'd walk in and go, what the fuck yeah, is that? really weird. Oh, do you Carol, remember... put the bat away. <laughs> do you remember the Lost Boys? Obviously you do, because you mm-hmm. love the 80s. Mm-hmm. His granddad does taxidermy. Yes. And every night he wakes up and there's an eagle next to him. Yes. there, Corey Hayman. And he's like... Fuck. Yeah, yeah. And he shoves it in the cupboard. And then the next night his granddad's put something else there. Else there to say, hey. <laughs> yeah, so it's probably quite common over in the States. Yeah. As a hobby. Yeah, I think so. Mm. So, yeah, we're just up to now. He's divorced. He's living in a lodging case. And I'm going to leave it over to you. Right. Okay, okay. So, I'm going to pick it up in June 1966. Mm-hmm. So, this makes him about 22 years old. Yep. And um, he... He... Um, yeah, he's. I think he's still living with his wife at this point. But their relationship's disintegrating. It's yeah. breaking down. Strained. But you've got to think, you know, he's 22, so she's, what, about 18? Mm-hmm. And she's always, he had three children. <laughs> poor fucker. I know. Poor, poor fucker. And um, I know you meant you touched on the abuse that she was suffering mm-hmm. at his hands, but did you know how that, what form that abuse came in? No, sure. Because this will tie in with Okay, the go on, yeah, go for it. He liked to have sex with her when she was unconscious. Oh. So she'd let him choke her, so she passed out. Or he did have access to some drugs, which would make her pass out, and then he would have sex. Oh, I don't like that, Kaz. Um. So yeah, that's a bit like again, a bit like Jeffrey Dahmer, isn't it? He mm-hmm. liked it. He liked to have such control. The ultimate control would be to have sex with a dead person, obviously. Oh, I don't um, like it. This is what the cost of his sort of building up. To yeah. It, but yeah. With his wife, she did let him 
make her unconscious so that then he could have sex with her. So while she was not alive, like I she wasn't moving and not I mean, oh interacting with it or anything, she's I just like, like that. asleep. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That that yeah, yeah that's baffling. I'm not being funny. If Stu come to you and said, all right, I'm going to knock you out for a couple of hours, I'm going to have a bit... You'd go, fuck off, wouldn't you? You might be a bit sore you wake up. Oh, don't. <laughs> all right then, yeah, cool, okay. Yeah. Make sure you put beans out and I'll let you do it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's obviously a sign of a... Red flag, bit of a depra- yeah. depravity going on there. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so here we are, June 66, he's well into the drugs, he's the local mm-hmm. drug dealer in the area, mm-hmm. in the Cape Cod, It was, um, they lived in a place called Provincetown, mm-hmm. and um, it's Cape Cod, yep. and I looked it up, because I couldn't get it clear in my head, so I got a map up of the east coast of America, because they touch on New York City as mm-hmm. well, and I was thinking, I thought they lived in Cape Cod, right beside it's it. quite close, yeah. yeah, and Cape Cod is like, it looks like a horn, it does mm-hmm. curl around. Mm-hmm. And this particular place, Provincetown, mm-hmm. is right on the tip of it. It's right yeah. on the peninsula. Um, it looks really lovely. It's gorgeous. And it's um, it's a bit of a haven for the hippie movement. So it was um, it was it attracted lots of transient people. Mm-hmm. So in, when the weather was nice, you'd get lots of holiday makers. Yeah. But it also attracted a lot of the free spirits. They mm-hmm. all liked going there. Apparently, it's a very welcoming, open-minded place to be. Yeah. No one's very judgy there. It's um, Apparently, it's quite gay friendly and that sort of thing as well boston um, is very nice next to it yeah boston is also yeah. massachusetts um my old girl i used to look after that was her favorite she had family over at cape cod and oh, it was her favorite yeah. place to vacation if like they used mm. to go every year yeah and she used to bring back books and she showed me all the books and it is absolutely stunning mm. new england is isn't it it's yeah. stunning absolutely yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm, yeah, it looks it looks lovely. picturesque. Yeah, picturesque. But it's very at that period in time, the late sixties. Mm-hmm. There's quite a lot of hippies. There's quite a lot of um, traveling and mm-hmm. just free spirits, free spirited mm-hmm. people. And so when people went missing, it wasn't too out the ordinary. There wasn't that many questions yeah. asked. So here we are, June nineteen sixty six. So, one of the most remarkable aspects of Tony Costa's serial killer career was how he was how he evaded suspicion for so long, despite it being pretty obvious that he was linked to the victims. Right. So, first of all, in June '66, he was driving to Canada and he picked up two women mm-hmm. called Bonnie Williams and Diane Fedorov, and he offered to take them to Pennsylvania on his way to California. Now, the women never arrived at their destination, so they're never seen again. Neither right. alive or dead. They've just vanished off They've the face gone. of the earth, yeah. Ten days later, he returned home and Costa was questioned. The police questioned him about their disappearance, but he yeah. just told them he dropped the women. He'd taken them all the way to California, dropped them off and never saw them again. Now, the police were unable to prove otherwise, so they went no further in their investigation. Did they believe Costa. him? Did they believe him? Mm. I don't just don't think they had any other evidence. They to couldn't. Go on. Yeah, they couldn't. And like make I was an just opinion. talking about, it was quite transient times. Mm-hmm. People did just drop off the mm-hmm. map, and um, so yeah, that was that. Really, in hindsight, I don't think they believed him at all. But yeah. there's nothing to tie him in with. Yeah, they can't prove it. Play. There's no bodies. Yeah, there's not even any evidence mm-hmm. that crimes being committed. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, in the summer of 1967, he took a young woman friend to his weed garden. He was growing a weed garden in Truro, mm-hmm. which is the next town along from Provincetown. Um, and he had a, there was like a cemetery, a really very, very isolated area. Mm-hmm. Woods behind a cemetery, he was cultivating a weed garden. And um, he took her there to party, I suppose. And he, inverted commas, accidentally shot her in the back with an arrow. By an arrow. How can you, you've got to draw the string, right? Yeah, why would you even have a bow? Was he aiming for, was he saying he was aiming for something else? He didn't say, he just said. You can't accidentally shoot shoot someone someone. (laughs) with a bow because you've got to draw it back. Yeah. So that's intent straight there because you're. Yeah, he must have, perhaps you're right, perhaps he was, um, perhaps they were doing target practice or something. Something. Yeah. Because you can't get away with that. Saying, oh, I'm sorry, I accidentally drawed the string back and accidentally pointed Mm. it to you. Yeah, and now you've got an arrow in your back. Yeah. But she survived, it was fine. I suppose she just had some medical treatment. She was fine. fine. I doubt if she ever went back to his weed garden, though. Every time you say weed garden, I want to sing you a song. I beg your pardon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I know the one. I, I never, never promised you a weed, weed garden. garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kid in me, sorry. Oh, don't. But can you imagine if you're a teenager in the late 60s mm. in a beautiful place like that and someone says, oh, we've got some free marijuana, you'd be like, happy day. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, let's have a... Um... I don't know. You wouldn't suspect foul play? No. Because Tony Costa, have you seen pictures of him? Mm Mm-hmm. He's quite good looking. I'm getting massive Bundy vibes from him. Oh, see, I didn't really, because he's quite dark, isn't he? Not how he looks, but just all about him. And he uh, he was very attractive as well, Bundy, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's Costa, he's young. Mm -hmm. He's young, dark and tall, dark and handsome. Yeah. He's tall, he's, you can see he's powerfully built, he mm-hmm. looks like he looks after himself, yeah. and um, his hair was really nice as well. You know, he's like, oh, I like your hair. Um, kind of like... What he did. Yeah. I'm not saying that. 
Yeah. Just saying he had good hair. You're um, telling me you'd say, yeah, I'll have some of that. Um, oh, if I was a 15-year-old, no. 100%, I'd be in the weed garden. <laughs> <laughs> Living Love the best you. life. Um, January 1968, mm-hmm. he moves to um, San Francisco. There's a really famous place where all the hippies went to called High Ashbury. Mm-hmm. And he decides to move there. It's not for very long. But while he's there, he meets a young woman called Barbara Spalding. All right. I think she was only 19. And um, she left her family and her child. She had a child to be with him. And um, on the day he left for Massachusetts, mm-hmm. so he, he weren't there for very long at all, but mm-hmm. on the day he came back to Massachusetts, she vanished and again she was never seen again. Jeez. Um, as he's making his way back home, as he's sort of like crossed over into Cape Cod territory, mm-hmm. he's pulled over by state trooper Tom Gunnery mm-hmm. for speeding and some kind of problem with the muffler on his car. So he gets pulled over. And um, I think he just gets let off with a warning or something wow. like that. But Tom Gunnery says he was... He didn't seem very... In hindsight, Tom Gunnery thought, judging on his behaviour, mm-hmm. there could well have been a body in the boot of the car oh, God. when he pulled him over. So I don't really know why, why he said that, why he indicated him. It's Obviously, yeah. hindsight is a good thing. Yeah. But that is what he said. Um, there was that documentary. Did you watch that documentary I sent you, that one? Um, no, you sent me the link to Spotify. To the documentary, the YouTube. Um, yeah. I can't remember what it's called now, but um, <laughs> Born to Kill. Ah, right, Born one. to Kill, yeah. That? But um, yeah, so he's still alive, Tom Gunray. He's on that documentary oh, okay. about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he thinks that he may have been quite close to catching him. Really? He him over. Wow. That's how they catch a lot of serial killers. Yeah, it? it is. Speeding crimes and it really traffic is. violations. Um. So, 1968, what Avis finally, she files mm-hmm. for divorce because of the other women and the drug taking and whatnot, mm-hmm. and probably all the other abuse. 24th of March, 1968, there's a young girl called Sydney Monzen. Yeah. She's 18 years old, and um, she's a local, and he used to socialise with her, and she was last seen getting into his car. That's the last time I oh, ever saw lover. her. Um her ex-boyfriend was on that documentary mm-hmm. and he was describing her and um, she's really beautiful. She looks like a Ted Bundy victim. She's got mm. long, dark brown hair Yeah, and she's a cracker. She's absolutely stunning. And her boyfriend sort of described her. He said she was really um, um, outgoing and friendly. She was well involved in the whole like free spirit thing mm-hmm. as well. So all I can imagine is he said, oh, Sydney, should we go and have a smoke in the weed garden? And she's probably gone, yeah, maybe she'd even done it before because mm-hmm. it did... By all accounts, they did socialise. Um, but yeah, poor Sydney, she was, um, yeah, never seen alive again. Oh, love her. During this period, he takes a job as a handyman mm-hmm. at the local doctor's surgery, Dr. Callas. Now, Dr. Callas had a 17-year-old at the time, daughter called Bonnie. Bonnie's on that documentary as well. She's obviously a middle-aged lady now. Yeah. She talks about when he worked there. Um, so, Cos- Tony Costa has spotted Bonnie while he's working in the doctor's surgery, and he says to the doctor, oh, who's that hot young woman out the front there? Like, who's she? And the doctor goes, yeah, that's my daughter, Bonnie. You take your mitts off of her. Don't Jeez, even think about, yeah. You don't even think about Bonnie. All right, just leave it out. So Jeez. he warns him off. That's um, frightening. One evening, he broke into the surgery, and he stole $5,000 worth of drugs and surgical equipment. Right. And so he, uh, he starts stealing... More than just weed, because he's got all these like medical drugs, like pharmaceutical, pharmaceuticals, yeah, pharmaceuticals, the good stuff, yeah. So yeah, he's 
he's by now all year round the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. So he's handyman slash drug dealer. Yeah. Uh, September 1968, he has a new girlfriend. So by now his marriage is broken down, he's moved out, and he's got a new girlfriend called Susan Perry. She's 19 years old. Yeah. And um, she, they live together for a week, and then she vanishes off the face of the earth. Um, when people say, oh, where's Susan? He says, oh, she's moved on. She's gone to Mexico. And that was that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's week. getting a bit, yeah. One week he had, he, he had her moved in, and <clears throat> then she disappeared. So um, so during the course after, obviously, Susan's disappeared, between um, September and November, he does a brief spell in prison for um, dodging his child support maintenance. Oh, really? So, yeah, he stops, obviously, paying Avis for the yeah. three children that they've got in his... <coughs> And they catch up with him and they put him in prison for three months. Yeah. He gets let out in November 1968, where he meets a woman called Christine Gallant, who is also quite a free spirit. She's well into her drugs. Mm-hmm. And she is found dead in the bath in November in a oh. New York City apartment. And she died of a barbiturates overdose and then drowned in the bath. Jeez. So that is speculated whether that was an accident or death or whether he drowned her. That's awful. Who knows? His MO wasn't really drowning, but because obviously them two are lovers or friends mm-hmm. and he turns out to be a serial killer, her name is in this list because, let's face it, he yeah. did like to kill women. Yeah. Uh, 24th of January, 1969. So there's a, a pair of friends called Mary Ann Wysoski and mm-hmm. Patricia Walsh. They're both 23 years old and they're friends from Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. And um, they go on holiday for the weekend, just a weekend break, and they stay at Mrs. Morton's boarding house, which is the same boarding mm-hmm. house that Tony is living in. It only costs $5 a night, so they're like, wicked, okay, we'll, we'll stay there. Yeah. You know, just have a little break on the Cape. And um, now she introduces the girls to Tony Costa. She just says, oh, this is Anthony, he's staying with us, he's right. Right. your age. Yeah. You, do, might, you, you get on. want to get on, yeah. Because mm-hmm. by then, I think Tony's about... 24 and these are 23 yeah so it makes sense yeah um the next morning she finds a note pinned to their room that says could you possibly give me a ride to truro early in the morning from tony right so it looks like tony's left a note mm-hmm. for them just asking for a lift to truro like i say it's only the next town along and truro's where his weed garden is um patricia they'd driven on holiday and patricia's light blue volkswagen bug like a beetle right and so 60s in it Loving a beetle, a yeah. Volkswagen. Who else had a beetle? Oh, fuck me. Did, Bundy. He? Bundy. Yep. <laughs> he had a brownie coloured mm-hmm. beetle, didn't he? Yep. Forgot about that. Yeah. Blimey. Um, yeah, so that day, all three were uh, witnessed. They were, dro- they were witnessed by my uncle Zachariah, and he saw all three of them in the car, and they were heading towards Truro. Right. So that did make sense. It looks like the girls have said, yeah, come and hop in, we'll drop you at Truro. Yeah. And um, they had. They had um, a meeting with somebody later on that day in Provincetown. Mm-hmm. So really, they should have dropped him at Truro and come straight back to Provincetown. They missed that meeting, which was really out of character. Um, Patricia was a elementary school teacher. Yeah. So she's not a hippie by any means. She's very conventional. Yeah. It's very out of character for her to miss the meeting. And her friend, um, Mary Ann, was doing her last semester at uh, university to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So these are not yeah. transient hippie girls. No. They're very... Um, Reliable people. Yeah. So the fact they missed this meeting immediately rings alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, another note was found attached to their 
door of their room and it said, we are checking out, thank you for your many kindnesses and it was signed from Marianne and Pat. But it was noted that this letter, although supposedly from the girls, mm-hmm. was on the same paper that Tony had used the day before. Mm-hmm. So that come out the same pad. Yeah. So it, it hinted out Tony's written that note, it wasn't mm-hmm. the girls, because why would they have his pad? Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the women's belongings were also missing from the room. Uh, however, Walsh and Wasowski failed to return home after their weekend in Cape Cod and their family immediately contacted the police as missing persons and the police began seriously investigating yeah. it now. Good. Um, these girls they were never seen alive again. Um, on the 2nd of February, so this is like right at the end of February, mm-hmm. the girls were on holiday and they've, um, they must have sort of been reported missing probably about the 28th, 29th of January. Mm-hmm. 2nd of February... Um, Patricia's Volkswagen, her blue bug, was yeah. spotted parked in a very secluded wooded area near the Pine Grove mm-hmm. Cemetery in Truro, which is the cemetery where the woods are behind where his weed garden mm-hmm. is. Right. So this is the vicinity. Later that day, Costa took the car to Boston. Right. He was trying to get, get a quote to get it re-sprayed. Weird. Yeah. Why? So the, yeah, so the car was spotted in the wooded area. A local... Because it's such a quiet place yeah. in January, has notified the police. By the time the um, sheriff's gone out there, mm-hmm. it's gone. So I think this was Detective Bernie Flynn. Right. He was involved in the case. State Trooper Tom, Tom Gurney was there as well. Um, so they've gone out, gone to find the car. Mm-hmm. The car was gone. They've they've called it. They've called it in anyway, and the car isn't reported missing or stolen or anything. So that's that. Right. Um. Yeah, and in the meantime, he's trying to disguise the car, pretend it's his, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to cover his tracks, really, but the police have now have got an idea of where they should be They're searching. They're on it, yeah. So the, the fact that he's he's kind of messed up by having that car visible in the mm-hmm. area of where he's eventually the bodies are going to yeah. be found. Um, on the 8th of February, 1969, State Trooper Gunnery was searching the woods near Pine Grove Cemetery, and he noticed an indentation in the ground. He dug, dug down and he found a bag that contained a dismembered body parts. Oh, God. Um, the female corpse had been separated into eight sections, but it wasn't uh, Patricia or Mary Ann. It was Susan Perry. Wow. His girlfriend who had gone to gone, Mexico yeah. five months earlier. <gasps> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so he's found it. He just said, uh, on that, he's on that documentary, they mm-hmm. go back to that area. Mm-hmm. And they went back to that area during the... Um, trial as well actually they took all the jurors out there and everything and it became a little bit of a tourist hotspot in the end um, yeah. yeah so they went back out there for this documentary this Born to Kill and um, yeah he was showing you can see it's like it's, I mean, it's massive he was lucky yeah. to find it but they, they were searching for a week before he found it wow great um, police work the same day some of the women's things were found in Tony's room along with some rope that mm-hmm. had red on it it's only ever described as red red they're implying that it's blood mm-hmm also, they find the um, Volkswagen Beetle handbook that belonged in Pat's yeah. car. They found that, and it had Tony's palm print on it. So it's sort of connecting Tony mm. to the crimes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've they um he he catches up with them. So he sort of like goes off in the car. He finds out the police are questioning him, and mm-hmm. so he comes back to answer the questions voluntarily. Comes back, which I found a bit strange, and. Um, and he says that the women gave him the car in exchange for drugs. Like, he supplied with drugs and they didn't pay him, so he took the car. And then another thing, he says they were going to go to Canada because they needed an abortion. 
he just that's just two of the lies that he starts yeah, to, to explain. Yeah. yeah, to try and say, oh no, they were alive last time I saw them. They were going to Canada. They gave me their car. He's just trying to find excuses yeah. to while this stuff's happening. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, lots of inconsistent answers. Now, on March the 3rd, so this is about, what, five weeks after the girls have gone missing, Mm -hmm. a telegram for Costa arrives at his mother's house in Provincetown. Right. And it reads, What happened? We waited as planned. Is everything all right? We'll meet you as scheduled. New York City. Love, Pat and Mary Ann. Jeez. Investigators determined that the telegram had originated from a New York City telephone number that Costa had access to. So he sent that to himself. (laughs) Trying to make it look like the girls were still alive and they were in New York City. Yeah. Police continue searching the Truro Woods, where Costa was known to have a large marijuana garden. On March the 5th, they unearthed more remains. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what's happening is um, is State Trooper Gunnery, he notices on one of the trees that there's some rope around it. And he said it looked similar to the rope that they'd found in Tony's bedroom. We've read on it. Yeah. Right. So he that attracts him to the tree. Um, they unearth more remains. So they find he <laughs> he says he finds a bag. He opens the bag and there's a severed head in it. It's just like oh what? no, what's in serial killers and severed heads? Yeah, it's a bit of a yeah, it is weird. Um, so they unearth more remains. There's the torso and the severed head of Mary. <clears throat> and um, in another grave nearby was the body of Patricia Walsh. And that had been cut in half at the waist. Fucking hell. And her skin had been peeled off oh, her chest la. in a fashion like a sweater so that it was still attached but only about the shoulders. Nope. That's disgusting. Nope, 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 nope. Don't and like it. When they've when they've unearthed Patricia, they find the body of Sydney underneath oh, Patricia. Wow. Yeah. So poor Sydney. Oh. She'd been missing for nearly a year by that point, but they, they found Sydney as well. Jesus. Some of the bodies reportedly had bite marks on them, leading to Costa's Cape mm-hmm. Cod vampire nickname, but there's, that's disputed whether that was true or not. That might have just been a bit of hearsay. A coroner determined that Walsh and Wasowski had died from gunshot wounds to the head and the neck by a 20, .22 calibre pistol, which was also found buried nearby. And that was identified as Costa's gun. So he Jesus. Um, yeah, so he obviously gets he gets arrested and tried and um despite the mountains of evidence against him costa maintained his innocence throughout the trial and even after he was arrested he told the police there's a maniac on the loose out there (laughs) in in reference to women's murders um so the trial lasted from the 6th to 29th of may 1970 and um, he was convicted of the four murders, obviously the four bodies that were found. He was convicted and sentenced um, in to, you know, to go to prison mm-hmm. for correctional facility. Right. Um, while he was in prison, he wrote a book called Resurrection, where he blames somebody called Carl for the murders. It's like, Carl don't exist, mate. You're just making it up. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, so he's in prison for, what, four years? And on the 12th of May 1974, he's discovered a hanging in his cell. Jesus. So he commits suicide at the age of 29. And that... No justice. My friend, is the story of the Cape Cod vampire. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. Weird one, but I thought... That's what I said at the beginning. What do we make of the... Um, 
nature versus versus nature because I think it's nature. Yeah. I can't see that anything's happened to him to make him behave like this. No, other than the sexual assault when he was, but he was already showing signs prior to that. But was there even a sexual assault? Allegedly, a 12 year old boy. Oh, when he was 12 year old. Yeah, Yeah, when he was 12. I mean, I yeah. don't know. Did that even happen? Yeah. Even if it did, why would it make him chop women up into little pieces? Yeah, it's not nice, is it? While he was, um, I think while he was on waiting for his trial, mm-hmm. they did diagnose him with something called schizoid, schizoid personality type, mm-hmm. which is someone who's a loner. They're described as a bit of a loner. Right. And they tend not to have very deep family connections, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. See, that goes against him, like, wanting the nurturing of his mother, but then pushing mm. him away. Maybe that's starting to show then. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm no psychiatrist. <laughs> but, yeah, he's um, unbelievable, isn't he? Like, mm. just, yeah, not a nice guy. The motive for it may have been necrophilia because there were signs of sexual um, yeah. abuse on the bodies post-mortem. And that does tie in with how he abused his wife. I was just going to say that, yeah. yeah. It's got to be that. So it sounds like yeah. he was, that was that was the reason. That was his But because he never admitted to doing it, he didn't actually say why he did it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Bastard got away with it as well for four years. and like They, they tried to use his drug... His, he was quite a prolific drug user. Mm-hmm. They tried to use that his defence team as a defence in court. They said that he had temporary insanity because of all the drugs that yeah, he took. Drug inflicted, yeah. And then what he did, because he had apparently a, a higher than average IQ and he didn't, he weren't like quiet about mm-hmm. telling people how clever he was. And stuff. <laughs> um, according to some of his classmates and stuff, they were like, no one really wanted to be friends with him because you couldn't have a normal debate with him. He would have to make sure you, he talked you down until you agreed with of, him. Yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Just agree with me, Cass, and we'll be all right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so this comes across in court. So his defence team are going like hell for leather trying to prove this fella's insane. Mm-hmm. What he does is he goes, right, now I'm going to stand up in court and I'm going to do a dissertation about the um, the dangers of drug taking. So he stands up and does this whole massive long report, this whole essay that he's written about the dangers of drug t- drug taking. And so the jury goes, well, he ain't fucking crazy. Yeah. I've just heard him speak very articulately. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with him. So that shot him in the foot. Bastards, yeah. And um, during, the, during the court process as well, they showed the jury pictures of that photographs mm-hmm. of the crime scenes. So, mm-hmm. you know, the women that were chopped oh, up no. in bits and pieces. And he was dying to look at them, Lorraine. Itching. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was literally like, Fucker. oh, let's have a look at them pictures. Yeah, rubbing, rubbing his, his yeah. legs. So, yeah, Fuck being a juror as well, because well, I wouldn't yeah, like this. The jury would have seen his response to yeah. photos, like any normal person would be repulsed, yeah. but he was really keen to re- to look at them, to, have, to view them. Dirty bastard. Yeah, so um, so for someone who's so bright, he certainly didn't seem to cut no. his tracks very well. No. It wasn't that difficult really to find him once... Once they started to look into yeah, it, yeah. Well, yeah, once someone was reported missing, it yeah. wasn't really that hard at all. So. No. Um, yeah, there we have it. So that's just uh, wrapping up our last um, episode for this series, which was based on American Horror Story Series 10 Double Feature. Woohoo! Which I must admit, I haven't watched, but I need to watch it. I need to watch it. They've got another season 11 coming out, or it's he's out, mm. and I haven't watched that either. But um, they lost me a bit on the last couple, so... Yeah, I watched American Horror Stories. I did. Them. I've still got a couple to watch, actually. Mm-hmm. So they were a bit hit and miss, actually. Yeah, I liked the cinema one. Yeah, I liked that cinema one. That it was good. good. Yeah. And the Murder House one. They, yeah, that was good. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, that was like 
game, wasn't it? Like yeah. Video game. Yes. Yeah, there were some good ones. Um, yeah, so that, I think that was all like based in Cape Cod, isn't mm-hmm. it, that one? So Yes. Well, it's called Double Feature, so I think yeah. it's Aliens and Sirens. Yeah. I think I've seen it right. Yeah. And I voted. I remember voting on the poll when oh, they really? released it on Insta. Yeah. Because yeah. um, there was, I think, four you could either vote for. Yeah. And the two main ones got it. But I, I didn't oh. vote for Sirens. I think it might have been... Oh, what? I can't remember, mm. but I remember voting, yeah. and one of mine got in, which I think was Aliens, yeah. and then yeah, so yeah, it was oh, really excellent. cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I know they did interactive stuff. Yeah, I, love I loved it. That's Absolutely legit. loved it. And then so, I think yeah. you've got to say final um, six degrees. Yes. You? Well, we haven't done one in a while, so I thought yeah. I'll jump in with it. So we're going to do so. six, like six degrees of separation. For those of you that don't know, is where we'll pick somebody from this week's podcast mm-hmm. and try to connect them in six steps or less. Less to the actor Kevin yes, Bacon. That's right. So um, Tony Costa was inspiration in one of the, in this series, mm-hmm. and in this series of American Horror Stories, Billy Lord as Doctor Lark Fieldman. Yeah. She was in Star Wars: The Force Awakens with Greg Gumberg, and he was in Hollow Man. Have you seen Hollow Man? I saw it when it came out. Yes, yeah, I seen it for quite years creepy. Though. Yeah, with. The K to the B, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Hello, it's Carrie here from uh, Blue Murder Club. I, just in case you didn't know, I've got another podcast out, a new one, which is called The Proposals Podcast. It's a completely different kettle of fish to this one. It's all about romance and love and joy and happiness. So, um, yeah, if you if you are bored in between this series and the next one, you can always listen to me um, waffling on over on The Proposals Podcast. It's on all the usual platforms. Thanks for listening. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And you thought it was over. Oh, no. We've got a double feature on your hands. Woo. Are you ready for this, Kaz? Yeah, let's see it. Let's hear the... Uh, spring it on. Whoop, whoop. Um, please be aware there may be a bit of um, background noise, but hopefully you won't hear it too much. 
the neighbours are doing some drilling. How dare they? Fritz all scared himself for no basement. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, all serial killers love a bank holiday oh, weekend, don't they? So, didn't they? Let's grow it a bit more. Sav's got a big all over your garden fence saying it's over there there, Mum. Make space for more captives. Yeah. We really shouldn't joke about it. No, Sorry. It's not funny. No, it's not funny. But that's where I'm looking if anything happens, right? I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready for this one? So what have we got for our double feature? Because this is the thing, isn't it? I've, this is like the last series was called Double Feature, yeah. wasn't it? And the first was obviously what we just covered, mm-hmm. Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. And the second was what uh, lovely Lauren's going to be discussing. Yeah, UFOs. I'm so excited. This is so cool, isn't it's it? It's so cool. Mm. It is really, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. And yeah. I just, I like a bit of difference sometimes. Mm. And there's no murder, which makes it all the more joyful to me. Or is there? Oh, don't do this to me. That's it. I'm going home. <laughs> no, so, I know what you mean. No, it's not. A, it's not some serial killer on the no. rampage like earlier on in the show. So no. yeah, it'd be nice to, to um, end the series on a nice, uh, happy note. Actually, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. If you can Very call, um, if you can call an anal probe a happy note. Oh. Yes, please. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so you ready for this one? Yeah. We're going to do the abduction of Barney and Betty Hill. Mm-hmm. So these were the kit from series two. This is who he was based on, Barney Hill. Mm. Or the couple was. But I was obsessed with learning about this couple. And you'll see why. Well, I'm hoping you'll see why. Because they're just a bit different to the norm at that time in point in time in the 60s. So let's get ready. Barney Hill Jr. was born on the 20th of July 1922 in Newport News, Virginia. And he had a high IQ of 140. He was a pragmatic man and he wouldn't be swayed by no nonsense. So that tells me already that um, what they speak about is a bit unrealistic if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know if you're intelligent you don't kind of you're not you're quite a skeptic i believe Mm. if you're pragmatic you are aren't you yeah he joined the army for world war ii and he married a woman called ruby and they had two children together and he divorced her before and then met betty and betty barrett was born on the 28th of june 1919 so she's slightly older Mm. in newton new hampshire she had a master's in social care and child wild, in child welfare, and they were an interracial couple, Kaz. Mm. So the couple were devoted to their local church and activities to the civil rights movement. They lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where Betty was from, and Betty worked tirelessly in child protection services as a social worker. Barney worked night shifts on the po- in the postal system, but he also had to drive 60 miles each way to work. So it was like an hour there and an hour back. So it was fucking rigorous going, you know. Mm. Barney decided they needed a break of and like a sort of honeymoon. Yeah. A year and a half after their wedding. So in September 1961, they took a trip. Their trip took them to Montreal and Niagara Falls. Over three days, on the last night of their trip, they decided to stop at a diner to recharge before driving on and continuing the flight to get home. So the rest of the drive, um, sorry, it was about 10pm and Barney estimated it they had reached their home in Portsmouth around 2am in the morning on a clear drive. 
They were driving through the White Mountains, New Hampshire, in the darkness when they saw a bright light approaching them. And at first, Barney said it looked like a falling star, but which, with each mile taken, it grew brighter and brighter and bigger. <clears throat> but he just said to Betty, it's nothing to worry about. It's most probably a satellite. Just, like, take it easy and we'll just keep an eye on it. The light seemed to move with the car. So as Bernie turned corners, so it did the same. Mm. So it was like he was swallowing them and he couldn't explain that away. But he's still trying to assure Betty that it's nothing. Um, the night was dead silent and it couldn't be a plane because they would have heard it. And they finally pulled over to the side of the road to see what happened around seven miles, 70 miles past the diner. And then what they'd done was they picked up some binoculars and Betty saw the white light spinning, spinning object in the air mm-hmm. around 100 foot above them. Barney grabbed his gun and left Betty in the car with the engine running and went to investigate in the field beside him. So he's like, you stay there, I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) And he saw a thing as big as a jet, but as flat as a pancake. That's how he's described it. Mm. So it's fucking massive, right? Yeah. So behind rows of windows, rows and rows of windows, there seems to be grey beings staring right at them. He heard a strange beep from the car and then they felt drowsy and lost consciousness. Both Betty and Barney then lost two hours of their life. They were 35 miles down the road when they come to. Doesn't that not sound like one end story a bit? Yeah, it does actually. Funny, isn't it? Yeah, losing time. Losing time, two hours they just couldn't account for and they felt a bit dazed. Mm. So they headed home. And I think they reached their home at 5am. So that's a big difference. They was meant to get home at 2am and they've Mm. got home at 5. But they can't understand why. So when they've got home, Betty's dress was torn and stained with a pink hue like powder substance. And Barney had a wired strap um, watch. And that seemed to have got a bit torn. Mm. Um, He had a really, really weird scrape to his show and both of their watches have stopped at a certain time point in time but so had their clocks from indoors which was fucking weird in itself they've all just stopped working for some reason the binocular strap that they were looking through was also break broken and there were shiny circular marks on the couple's car that wasn't there before the couple experimented with a compass and saw that the compass go wild when moved towards the circle marks. It was just spinning out of control. Hmm. Back home, they tried in vain to remember what had happened. Betty had reoccurring strange dreams for like 10 days. Um, Barney felt there was something not quite right with the lower half of his body. And he kept looking at his, like, junk to see if he could find anything. But he couldn't. Are you laughing at junk? I'm just thinking Barney's got a bit of a problem. He's blaming the aliens. But yeah. carry on. Oh, OK. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> so Betty then goes on to phone her sister Janet, who had her own UFO experience a few years prior. So she felt quite comforted that she ain't going to sound a bit mad. She ain't going to sound great because Janet's already been there, done that. Mm. Got the seizure. Yeah. So um, Janet says, basically, report it to your local air force. See what they've got to say. Have they picked anything up? You know, just do that. So she did. 
And what they did, they looked into it and saw that on their radar there was an unusual UFO, Mm -hmm. but that is just an unidentified flying object. It's not that it's an actual being from space. Mm -hmm. There was something there at the time and place the couple had stated. However, after a couple of days when they posted a report on this, they came back and and said basically the couple must have saw, saw Jupiter... Yeah. And misidentified it as something else because it was quite clear to see that night. But people have called bullshit. They reckon it's a cover-up. So, you know what? Half of America's like, yeah, they're talking shit. (laughs) And the other half are like, definitely agreeing. So, Betty begins to research UFOs and reads a book called UFOs Are Real. Are real. I'm so sorry. <laughs> by Donald Keyhole, and became more and more curious. But Barney wanted a quiet life with, um, with the stress of being a mixed race couple in the sixties. He didn't want to bring any more attention to him. Don't blame him. So he's again being quiet. No, we're not doing this. Like it's happened. Whatever's happened, me balls ain't working. <laughs> That's enough. I'm not doing this no more. And it was definitely because of the anal probing. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> God, no, you're fine. I'm gonna agree. What was actually wrong with his lower half? Did I don't say. say. He just says he, they, he couldn't find anything. <laughs> he couldn't find no anything there. He no. was all blank. Don't blow. I think he was, was he like a can, like a syringe like mark or like a needle probe. Oh, he mark. was looking for evidence of evidence. being interfered yeah. with. He, yeah. But he just has a scrape on his shoe. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. Their clothes were torn. Yeah, it was just all a bit weird. Um, So in the years following, Barney developed an ulcer and anxiety quite badly. So enough was enough, thought Betty. And so she sought help from Walter N. Webb. Um, and he had an interview with this couple. And he, I think it was over a few sittings he had this interview. And he came out and in his report, he says, they're t- telling me the truth. They're not lying. They're telling me the truth, and I believe they believe what they're talking about. So he believes them a hundred percent. So he suggests, here we go. They seek hypnosis from a psychiatrist and a neurologist. I'd said all them words okay. <laughs> called Men- Benjamin Simon. So through weekly sessions, Simon helped the couple discover the missing two hours of that fateful night. Mm-hmm. But be- bearing in mind, this is all set- done separately as well. So, are you ready for this? Mm, yeah, I want to know what's what's up with Barney. Yeah. Well, I don't think you still... Well, we'll see. But I don't think you find out he was left a lot less unscathed than what Betty was. Okay. <laughs> so, the grey beings walked them up and frog-marched them onto a ramp onto the craft. Once inside, they were completely separated. Um, and they were taken in turns into the examination room. Once in the examination room... Oh, it had curved walls and a ceiling, massive light hanging from the ceiling. So once in there, each was asked to get on a metal table. Barney then recalled the table was too short for him and that his legs were dangling off the end. Unless he was bent over. <laughs> no, that was me. I was, uh, <laughs> you was getting excited then for the anal probe, didn't you? Was he having I see a- your eyes light up. That's where she's going. <laughs> they said they were just checking his prostate, but yeah, it cough. was all just downhill after that. <laughs> So they had to remove all clothing, so and then they took samples of the hair, skin, and nails. Yeah. 
They had a needle placed in like probes, basically, in their arms, legs, heads and spine. I don't like that. With a large needle around four to six inches long inserted into Betty's stomach. Betty called this a pregnancy test and said the ordeal left her twisting in pain. And there was a leader and he stood to the side. Watching there was what? A uh, leader. Oh, a leader. Of yes, the pack. Mm-hmm. He, they spoke telepathically to them as well. Mm. But yeah, he used, he was standing to the side. But when Betty was in agony and rivering and pain, he came along, placed his hands on her and the pain, took the pain away. Mm. Like almost immediately. Yeah. But when she had dreams, you know, when I said she had dreams for 10 days, she remembered um, the pain of it and would wake up like with shortness of breath because she remembers the pain. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Throughout the exam, the leader of the, sorry, was watching from the side. <laughs> I like this bit, so I put it in. So the beans were so really confused by Barney's dentures. They were really shocked oh. that his teeth could be removed mm. and that like they'd never seen anything like it before. Mm. So even though the order was different to the dreams Betty had them, they were consistent with Barney and Betty's hypnosis Report. Yeah. So the but the dreams were the same. Betty Betty later claimed that she was alone. She was left alone with the leader, and asked him where they were. And he replied, "If you don't know where you are, there would be no point in telling you where I am." Hmm. So she was able to draw a star map from memory. So she was asked to draw this star map because the being, the leader, had showed her this, this book, but he couldn't explain to her where he was because she didn't understand the universe. Does that make sense? So what, they put him in a spaceship and then took him off somewhere? Sounds yeah, like... Oh, yeah, or where he's from, maybe. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I think more where he's from. So she asked, yeah, where they'd come yeah. from. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. I think she was expecting him to say, like, Mars or Uranus. But... Um... <laughs> <laughs> but... Because she didn't know nothing other than our solar system. He couldn't tell her where she was, basically. Yeah. Yeah? She wouldn't understand. She wouldn't understand. I wouldn't fucking understand. <clears throat> so um, she later drew this star map from memory. And anyone who saw this map couldn't make sense of it. Mm. Didn't look like nothing anyone had seen. Until a Marjorie Fish saw it in a book and suggested... Sorry... And suggested it was a star system from where the being came from. Oh, I'm dreading this bit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she first tried to recognise the sun. So she made this 3D model and used all this string and all that and mm. shone a light. And wherever the shadows fell, she knew that was the sun. Mm. And then she done this catalogue. Oh, and found it looked practically similar, if not the same. As a double star system called Zediratic Ulini. Okay. Oh. I don't think that's right, but hey ho. I've done it how we say to do it. Lauren, just own it. No one else is going to yeah. know. It is definitely called yeah. that. Okay. It is now. That, it is, that's what the name of it, yeah. <laughs> so, we're coming to the end now. Mm-hmm. In 1965, a newspaper picked up the story of the hills and they become a subject of the best-selling book, Interrupted Journey, and a movie, The UFO Incident. Hmm. The hills went back to their normal lives after this. 
only discussing this account with friends and family and people basically who they felt safe with. Hmm. Psychiatrists suggest that the abduction was a shared hallucination brought on by the stress of being an interracial couple in the 1960s. Hmm. Betty says, no, not at all. We weren't under strain. We, like, everyone who see them knew there was a partnership. They had like, a lot of respect and they never felt, even though they were in like the civil rights movement, stuff like that, they never... It, it wasn't that stressful to her. That's what she's saying, basically. Barney, I think it was, but to mm-hmm. her, not so much. So this happened in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. He's born in 1920. Mm-hmm. Why has he got false teeth? I don't know. It was a different time. <laughs> it was back in the olden days. Well, when they Did shot they have that toothpaste? Pro- anal probe up his ass, his teeth fell out. Maybe it wasn't his first trip to no. the spaceship. and no. That was the result of it. Yeah. Don't. So, She's so funny. Remember the pink powder on the dress? Yeah. That I was telling you about. It was actually tested by five different labs. And they done a chemical and forensic analysis on it. Analysis? Yep, that's the one. Um, and they did find foreign materials. However, it is all explained away. Mm. It's explained as Muldrew. The couple was sweaty and anxious from whatever had happened to them. She's sweat all over this dress. Nice. Mm. And then hung it in a wardrobe. She, when she got it out the next day, that's when it was pink. Yeah. So um, basically, they're saying the pink powdery hue was residue from a growth of mildew. Yeah. So well, that's... That's a commonplace. It's not from out of space, is it, Mildred? I've never seen pink mould. But <laughs> it makes sense. Your face when you said that. Pink mould. Pink mould. Yeah, I've never seen pink mould. No, mould's... What colour's mould? Brown? Black? Black? Green? Black? Yeah. I'm it's thinking like of bacteria, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's not pink. Huh. I'm thinking... Is anything nature pink? I don't know. Mm. I suppose you can get pink toadstools, which is... Pig. A pig is pink. Yeah, that's it. That's about it, isn't it? I'm trying to think. No, can't think. None wipes jewellery. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't even anything like some kind of chemical. It's just a bit of mould from a wardrobe. Yeah, basically where she had... But it grew overnight. Overnight. That's dodge. Takes ages, doesn't it, for mould? Yeah. It's a bit strange, isn't it? But then why would anyone test... Why would anyone test her dress? Because this is one of the first abductions yeah people were just testing like wanted to dig deep do reports mm. they yeah. became like massive celebrities oh i see and like yeah it was everywhere it was in every newspaper yeah, yeah even now in pop culture that's why we're doing these because yeah. of the american horror story Oh, I say, but they also obviously it didn't happen the next day, did it? She no. said she said she saw it the next day, but memory isn't yeah. isn't an accurate record. And no. maybe it took maybe it grew Couple after a few weeks yeah. or something because it wouldn't yeah. have been tested on for ages, would it? No, probably till after they had the hypnosis mm-hmm. and whatnot. Oh yeah, no, it weren't tested on until I'd say years after. Yeah, so yeah, there probably was milk mold on it yeah. by then. Maybe, so, yeah. maybe that was like the last time that Barney was able, his junk was able to work and it might have been a bit of a Monica Lewinsky. Bar- I'm thinking Barney the dinosaur's jizz there. It's Barney. <laughs> no, it's Betty and Barney Rubble, isn't it? Out the yeah, Flint- Flintstones. the Flintstones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we all know about dresses that hung up in closets for months on end and then tested after the Bill Clinton, yeah. Monica Lewinsky thing. Mm-hmm. So 
I did not have sexual relations with that, that woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> Goes down history, that yeah, one. Love yeah. it. So, unfortunately, so Barney passed away on Feb the 25th, 1969, at the age of 46. That's quite young, isn't it? Very young. I thought he was born in 1920. 21. He was younger. Than, oh, let me get yeah, it up in a minute. I don't know. But, um, <clears throat> but that is young, isn't it? What yeah. did he die of? Anal probe? Yeah. No, Sexual um, frustration. I will have to get it up. Cause I, can't, no. I didn't write it down because I can't pronounce it. Oh, okay. Was it a disease then? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. What about uh, what happened to both so, Betty? Yeah. Betty lived to the age of 85. Oh, that's all right. That's but good. But she never remarried. Well, I don't blame her. I was thinking, I bet she got a ton of money from the film and all that. Why would she want to like risk sharing that with someone who was trying to get yeah. the money off of her? She might as well just stay put, I suppose. Yeah. So she never remarried. That's a picture of them, Kaz. Mm. So I've seen um oh a nice couple. They've got a dog in that picture as well. Yeah. So um oh what was I gonna say? Yeah, and um the double feature that mm-hmm. obviously we're basing this episode on. The main theme of the alien abduction is to do with President Ike Eisenhower. Yeah. Like Dwight. He's called Dwight Eisenhower. They called him Ike. I think if your name's Eisenhower, Ike is your name. Really? Yeah, it's like a nickname. That would be easier because I can't say the first one, so that would yeah. be easier. <laughs> I like the name Dwight because I like the office. It's Dwight Schrute. Oh, I thought you said something. Dwight Eisenhower, President. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so, okay, um, okay. so yeah, they base it on, because he very famously, like, people think that he was in cahoots with the aliens. Mm-hmm. And um, it's quite cool, actually, the way that the writers of American Horror Story tie all the threads together. So here we are. Oh, sugar. I'll just read it out, What what is what out there about it. Here mm-hmm. we are. Um, in 1954, during a golfing vacation in Palm Springs, yeah. the then president of the USA, President Dwight Eisenhower, visited a dentist at night in Edwards Air Force Base. When the press found out that the president had a midnight visit to the dentist, in inverted mm-hmm. commas, Many agencies claimed the incident was suspicious. Rumours claimed that Eisenhower had met with aliens instead. In this alleged meeting, aliens referred to as Nordics, who were disguised in human form, and Ike made a deal enabling them to abduct humans for their extraterrestrial experiments on the condition that they returned them unharmed. Um, And in the show, it's also like in return for not wiping everyone else off the Mm -hmm. face of the planet. A few months after this encounter, a mystic appeared and claimed he was at the base that night and I witnessed Ike interacting with aliens and flying saucers. Eisenhower quickly became the first US president believed to have interacted with extraterrestrials. Um, yes, so it says, likewise, many alien encounters are listed in the US government program Project Blue Book, mm-hmm. tasked to inspect UFOs from 1948 to 1969. Yet the project was concluded as no aliens were uncovered and they were determined to not pose a threat to US national security. Mm. Uh, Area 51, which the CIA officially acknowledged as a secret military base near Las Vegas, has been another conspiracy theory cradle for decades. Many people thought the US government stored alien bodies in the location. Yet the US government announced that the need for secrecy was to hide information from the Soviets rather than than to cover up extraterrestrial bodies. <laughs> but yeah, in the show, it says that it shows that Eisenhower's selling, well, handing over that area fifty four to oh, the aliens. Really? Yeah, to Thank have you. their yeah, they like impregnate loads of people and then harvest the babies and blah blah. Oh, nice. But yeah, it's quite it is quite clever the way they tie it all in and everything. But yeah, but. Uh, 
I think like the main school of thought is Eisenhower had three meetings with extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. And then he puts it in that book and hands it to the next president. And oh. apparently all the presidents since then have um, had this book. So they know of the alliance with the extraterrestrials. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and in the show they say that um, that's why Kennedy was killed, because he wanted to go public with it. As soon as he found <gasps> wow. out about it, he wanted to just be straight and go public. And so they had him killed and that um, he told his mistress, Marilyn Monroe, and that's why she died as well. Oh, it's good, wow, isn't it? I like that. Yeah. yeah, I do like that. Yeah, it's quite... Because um, I think American Horror Story double feature, I totally missed that one, so I hadn't watched it. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. quite good, actually. I watched oh, that last week, nice. just for a bit of research. So, it's quite interesting, Nice, really. yeah, I like that. Hey, so, what did you make of the Barney and Betty? I know <sighs> I kept taking the piss all the way through, I so know. it's obvious what I think yeah. of it. What do you make of it? Well, apparently, this case, as a lot of people... One way or the other. Mm. 50% of the people completely lap up everything they're saying. Yeah. And 50% don't. Are they credible, though? Did you see any interviews with them or anything? He kind of... No, he's kind of... um, He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to say anything. Mm. She... It's... Apparently, she's more for the attention, more of the Mm. attention-seeking, maybe. Mm. If if he was as dead certain as she was, then I would have had a lot less trouble believing it. Yeah. I don't believe it. Don't you? No. God, blimey. Well, there you go. That's, I listen that to, speaks volumes. Yeah, I listen to quite a few podcasts about it. Mm. And I just couldn't. It was too much time between them losing the hours. Mm. And any investigation. She could have been in his ear yeah. all day, all night. Leading up to all that. That's a good shout, actually, yeah. Yeah. Like, this is what's happened. This is what happened to yeah. us. Da, 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 da. Mm, definitely. I think... I don't know what they happened, but I think it might have even been like me nan. Yeah. Because that bit to me is really real because I believe me nan. Yes, exactly. Um, That bit I can see, but from then on, I mm. think she's made it up because she can't remember what happened. Mm. Yeah. So they, I believe they may have been abducted, mm. but I don't believe what happened next. No, it do not really sound true, does mm. it? I just think, um, I think the only detail I thought sounded pretty good was when he said the table was too short for him and his legs yeah, dangled over. That was the only end. piece of detail that I heard in that whole story. That, Everything yeah. was very generic otherwise. Mm-hmm. If it's a true story, you'd yeah, have a lot more detail like sure. that, wouldn't you? Yeah. It was a bit too vague for me. Yeah. I wanted to know exactly what you were saying. Like, mm. But is that the trouble? If they say they don't remember, then they can make things up. Yeah, they're under hypnosis, aren't they? When yeah. they are remembering everything, they couldn't remember it when they're conscious. Mm. They have to go under, don't they, to have these memories. Yeah. And again, it could just be, like you said, her sister-in-law said she'd been abducted. Mm-hmm. So it's already in her mind anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easily explainable, mm-hmm. isn't it? But yeah, it must have recaptured the imagination yeah. of everyone for it yeah. still to be talked about today. Yeah. So yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Think, yeah, we'll see what comes of it. But yeah, well. Well, I'm really glad that we ended our series on a happy note. Yeah, wham, bam, thank you, man. Yeah, not just someone being sliced and diced. No. So, yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. Right, thank you. We hope, really hope you've um, enjoyed this series. We've liked it, haven't we? Loved it. Yeah. Absolutely. I love a theme, and it's been yeah. a good theme, hasn't it? It's been wicked. So, thank you. I think um, I'd just like to thank you all from the bottom of my heart. 
I really appreciate every single listen, every single download, mm-hmm. every share, every like, every comment. Just keep them coming and um, we'll, we'll see you next. We'll see you on the other side. If you miss us that much, pop over to Patreon. We've got loads of content there as well for £3 a month. Yeah, just give us a hi as well on our Instagram. <laughs> yeah, and we'll say hello back. Yeah, but we'll miss you. Bye. See you next time.